Morning, everybody. Happy Mondays, especially if you're a tax accountant looking for work. And welcome to the News Agenda with me, Fleet Street Fox. And today I'm joined by my fellow Mirror columnist, Mr. Mark Steele. Good morning, Mark. Hello, Susie. What a chirpy, cheery day it is. Oh, it's marvellous, isn't it? Now, remember, this is the People's Paper Review, so we want you to get into the comments, ask us your questions. The best ones do stand to get a News Agenda mug, and it's been a while since we had to hand one out. Those of you listening afterwards on the podcast, I'm afraid you're just going to have to open a window and scream at the sky. So what have we got for you today? Well, the mirror has splashed on the Queen revealing the shattering news that COVID leaves one feeling quite tired, which we will treat with the detailed analysis that that deserves. <clears throat> Inside on page two is what got everyone talking for the past week, which is Chancellor Rishi Sunak's fishy finances. Now, a few days ago, he was being attacked because a company his wife has less than a 1% stake in was still operating in Russia. That snowballed into a scandal about legal tax avoidance, US residency permits, and calls for a criminal investigation, not into him, but into whoever leaked this, because apparently that bit is a crime. Now, Mark, back in November, if everyone can remember that, it seems like a lifetime ago, the Mirror broke the Partygate scandal with revelations that Number 10 was having parties while the rest of us were in lockdown. Five months on, after Sue Gray's report and a police inquiry which has found lawbreakers amongst our lawmakers, some Labour MPs overnight are calling for Boris Johnson's most likely successor to resign. A teetotaler, moreover, and one whose windows looked out onto all those parties that we got so many leaked photographs from. Now, is it me or is all this really just proof that Boris Johnson is absolutely made of Teflon? No, you... I think he's uh, I, I think Boris Johnson is is still stuffed, isn't he? Uh, as much as he was. The fact that they haven't sort of got got rid of him yet doesn't mean he's, he's going to survive altogether because he's too tainted I, I would think uh because of all these sorts of things the pictures we're seeing now and when he's uh, when well, he's the picture, the dominic raab who looks like a, a man whose brain's been switched off and put in a blender yeah i think that people who I, I think enough people who sort of bought the johnson myth have decided that they don't want to go along with it anymore that means he's still stuffed and that uh it's a sign of their weakness the fact that their main rival is now someone who just chooses chooses whichever sort of caribbean in Ireland, he wants to be domiciled in and all of, all a game. So we have the Maldives this morning, and then I rather thought this evening that the Isle of Man might be quite nice to be domiciled in. And um, we did a, on my podcast. We did a thing. I quite like this line of him saying, uh, "When the energy crisis happens, say, well, it affects us all equally." I, for example, now have to dim the, the dim the chandelier in my spare ballroom. This is this, this is a man is. Total, totally not out of touch. It just doesn't. It, there needs to be a new phrase. It's so utter. He's she's richer than the Queen. If the Queen comes round to the Sunax, they go. Please don't mention money. It's so embarrassing to have someone <laughs> from the rougher state. Yeah, we don't. She has to go round. I can't go round the Sunax. Can't don't bring up money. This is so utterly absurd. And I think it's perfectly reasonable to call for both sets of crooks to resign. I don't think that if you, um, I don't think you can go, oh, well, we shouldn't. <laughs> no, they should both resign. They should both go away, should both not go. just They're resign. Well, what, do you agree, everybody? Do you think 
that uh, let, let's throw this out to the public. So get into the comments. Do you think that Partygate now is unimportant compared to non-dom tax shenanigans? Or do you think that Partygate is still more an important thing? Do you think they're equal? Do you think neither are important? Is one worse than the other? Get into the comments, let us know. Anne says, good morning, Anne. Has Rishi broken the green card rules? Part of applying for and getting a US residency permit, known as a green card, is to make a declaration that you intend to make the US your permanent home. Now, seeing as his, you've got two houses, uh, four cars uh, and two children all in the UK, that would appear to be breaking the rules full stop. They should really have handed it back in with that. But uh, it also the green card says you're not allowed to work for or vote uh, in foreign government elections. You're not allowed to vote in foreign elections. You're not allowed to work for a foreign government. So that would appear to be quite bad. He has handed the green card back, Mark, because apparently on his last trip, mm. this is really funny. The way that his officials briefed this out over the weekend was, well, we had a discussion on my last visit to the States and it was agreed that I should really hand back the card at that point. Which sounds, knowing how the US homeland security works, I think they probably had him on the floor with a gun to his head and seized it from him at passport control. I wouldn't be surprised because they were like that once over a journalist visa with me. Well, I, um, I think... The problem with whenever something like this pops up, then it if if you allow it to, it gets dragged in to an argument about the legalistic details. Did he actually break the rules? And then there's a 20 minute discussion on the Today programme. Well, if you look at it, it does suggest that you, there is an advisory committee that says, and did, no, step back from this. He is a multi squillionaire who has used has used loopholes uh, loopholes in order to avoid tax of up to of hundreds of millions of pounds while he supports a government that came into being forming a policy called austerity in which every single day ministers in this government stood and screamed and yelled about people spend uh, uh, having getting 25 pounds too much on the universal credit or whatever while it is he's twisted all the leak all the loopholes he can whether or not it's against the rules is almost irrelevant in order to save 280 million pounds that's that's terrible you know it's like they could. This lot could be filmed on CCTV marching into a bank with an, a, a sawn-off shotgun. Well, if we look at the Parliamentary Committee's advice, it doesn't specifically mention firearms. As no, what you have done is terrible. Yeah, exactly. There's similarly, a if you if you during the global pandemic come on television every day and go, what the most important must not stand next to anybody else at any point, all that. And meanwhile, you are having parties while the police are arresting people according to the rules that you have set up because they're meeting three people in a bloody shed somewhere and you can't remember having the parties i think it's fine to not remember if you've been at an illegal party in your own garden but if that is the case you probably ought to be living in a home with lots of wardens yes, rather exactly. than running the country now uh mike says you're right there's a moral element to this regardless of the legality 
But the, it's the legality that gets someone out of their job. That's the thing that winkles them out of their post. Morality doesn't appear to feature quite so often. Now, Mike says, good morning, Mike. Surely Rishi Sunak referring himself to Lord Guite, uh, the ethics commissioner who works in for the cabinet, who decided that Johnson taking donations for his wallpaper was absolutely OK. Well, put this issue to bed once and for all, or at least into the long grass for a bit. Um, a couple, these One of the things that's emerged during the weekend, Mark, the first is this, that Rishi has referred himself to this ethics and standards commissioner. Um, but the second one is that he's also demanding a leak inquiry on the ground. Yes. Leaking someone's tax status is illegal. Well, what he and his wife did is perfectly lawful. Um, do you think him referring this is going to go away? Do you think any of this, whether it's the criminal inquiry or him referring to himself to the ethics commissioner, is that going to make is that going to fix this? Is that going to end that moral wrong that you think has been done? Well, I think the most important thing probably is how how it's perceived by people who previously might have backed the Conservatives. Obviously, you know, I would think most people that read the Mirror have probably already made their mind up about Boris Johnson and Rishi Sunak. But are, is there a chunk of people who voted for? the Conservatives last time, who think, oh, well, we, we had no idea that they'd end up like this. If only someone had told us that Boris Johnson was an Etonian who was prone to telling stories. If only someone had said that Rishi Sunak was worth more than the gross domestic product of 85% of the planet. I, I just sort of... I, I, if this means that those people turn against them, then then they are stuffed because they will, uh, uh, you know, and the indications up to now has been that that's the case, whether that's, you know, if they recover from that, I don't know what you do. I don't know what, <laughs> you, know what you do. You what, could, what, and then the what more could anyone achieve to actually make yeah. this, this government look bad? Now, Ruth says, yeah. good morning, Ruth. Party Gate exposed the fundamental problem of being one rule for them and another for us. And so it's Party Gate, and she's recently to see Party Gate and... Uh, what's happening with Fishy Rishi uh, exactly is on, on the same spectrum. Alan, good morning, Alan, says the entire cabinet needs to be removed. We must remember that we were not, they were not sorry when we didn't know of so much corruption. This is the thing, isn't it? I mean, it, Rishi Sunak's called, started off calling all this a smear against his wife. Mm. It's not a smear if it's true. It's then called a fact. Um, Matt says Boris will hope Partygate goes away and would it surprise anyone if he's done this to deflect attention it seems like although lots of people in number 11 wanted to blame number 10 Matt it does seem like number 10 aren't particularly thrilled about it because if it was them leaking it the journalists who'd be going to them would be expecting them lots of off the record knife things going on and that's not happened they're more concerned I think in number 10 about the impact this is going to have on the local elections that are coming up in the next few weeks because mm. they're always decided on national issues, really. And if if this is still rumbling on when they go to the ballot box, that's going to have a big impact on the Tories nationally. Janie says they're both wrong. Partygate, Bryce Johnson, Rishi Sunak and his taxes, they both should face consequences. The thing is, though, Partygate, if all that is established to be true, that is a crime. What Rishi's done is not a crime. What his wife's done is not a crime. It's just, as Mark said there, perhaps a little bit immoral or amoral. Martin says, how about forcing Starmer to resign as well? What's <sighs> he done then? Well, he held a pint of beer once. So, I mean, that's pretty bad. 
I love that event. Who could do anything? And now the CCTV footage showing Pretty Patel organising illegal dog fights in a forest <laughs> in Kent. Yes. Well, what about Keir Starmer? He, he he once crossed the road when the little man was on red. So they're all the same. What's interesting to me, though, Mark, is that when Rishi was selected as an MP for Richmond in North Yorkshire, and if we've got any of Rishi's constituents on the broadcast, do get into the comments and let us know how you feel about this. When he was selected as Conservative MP for Richmond in North Yorkshire, which is quite a posh bit of North Yorkshire, he will have had to go through a selection process, an interview process, usually with his wife as well, the local Conservative Association. And they would have said, gosh, you've got a lot of money. Where is it? Do you pay tax on it in the UK? Um, your wife appears to be dual national. You've spent a long part of your marriage in the States where you had residency. So, you know, and part of the process of getting elected is answering these questions. Now, he says when he went into government, he told the cabinet uh, secretaries, permanent secretaries of various departments about his status and his background. And it's come out somehow from a civil servant. But regardless of what he said or excuses he made, why, how? Did someone who's got a US green card, who's got 200 million quid, who's got a wife with more than a, access to more than a billion, and who's, who's got various members of his family domiciled in different places for tax purposes, how did he ever think that he could ever be prime minister? There's one paper today reporting that if Rishi thinks he won't be prime minister, he'll just leave. He'll just stop being an MP because he only wants to be prime minister. There's no point. Otherwise, he'll just go. He won't wait 10 I, years. Well, I think that. the first thing on that, I think I think after your very first sentence, that was the, the answer, wasn't it? I think they will have gone, uh, you've got a lot of money. Would you like to be our MP? That's pretty much how the Conservative Party works, isn't it? I can't imagine they go, oh, dear, you've got a lot of money. We'd better check that it's all been earned fairly and reasonably without any moral or legal questions uh, attached well, to it. And yeah. I would... And then not only did he become MP, of course, he's become Chancellor. He's in charge of the country's money, even though he owns most of it. Exactly. Uh, and he's also he's cutting 20 quid off other people's benefits and saying that they've just got to find a way to tighten their belts while his his belt literally encompasses most of the world. And he never has to tighten it for any reason whatsoever. And he's never going to be short of a paycheck for anything. Uh, <clears throat> and then raising taxes 15 times while members of his family are apparently if uh, the Indian dual nationals and she inherits uh, assets from her father when he dies, be a zero percent inheritance tax rate on that. Um, and obviously that's very different to in the UK. Uh, God, it makes you, uh, yes. that makes you just want to go. Arr! Well, I'll and be honest, all this is making me sort of go off the conservatives a bit. <laughs> Were you ever on them? Do we want to know? Yeah, I was a huge fan until all this started. <laughs> now, Anne says, what do you think of Johnson's publicity stunt travelling by train to Kiev to meet President Zelensky? Um, it was plainly something that he wanted to do to look like he was a bit Churchillian, Anne. I'll agree with that. But it was also very definitely dangerous. It wasn't just a publicity stunt. And I think it was also important for... There's been several world leaders who've been there. Johnson isn't the first. He's probably one of the uh, bigger and more important countries that have been donating to Kiev uh, and the presidency who, who've gone. But what do you think, Mark? Do you think it was a publicity stunt? Do you think that he should have stayed at home or was he just trying to get some good headlines? 
Yeah, it's frustrating because you can't help look at it. For the, if you're not a fan of Boris Johnson, you can't help sort of be cynical and see everything through the prism of wanting Boris Johnson to be to to disappear from all our lives. And um, you know, and a bit of you thinks, oh, poor Zelensky, hasn't he been through enough without having to put up with this idiot coming around? Oh no, we have to have him. <laughs> but uh, uh, but uh, yeah, of course it's of course it's what you would want any any leader to do I, I can't bring myself to say there's anything good about him but uh but yeah i think it's probably difficult to uh, yeah of course i think course. the symbolism is important isn't it yeah, uh, not yeah. just his good pr but it's important probably for russia and ukraine and a bunch of other things as well which is why Zelensky was so happy to take him on a tour uh, around Kiev and showing the sites and talk to people, which was sort of yes. Yeah, so I wonder what he was. It uh, was probably looking at the um, looking at Zelensky's private little place where he hides and going, "Oh, you could have a party in here." Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know someone who can organise a party in here. Yeah, have you got? Uh, have you, what's your tax jurisdiction like over here? I've got a friend uh, yes. interested in being domiciled. Now, the Labour front bench are saying that uh, Rishi has some questions to answer about this, particularly over he, how exactly he negotiated a US tax deal for this country as Chancellor while he held a US green card and paid tax in the US, which would mean that he was benefiting from if the other side got a better deal than us. But the Labour backbench has won his head and there seem to be a few Tories aren't particularly in love with him either. Very quickly, Mark, this guy's got £200 million of his own. He's married to the daughter of a billionaire. Do you think he's going to stick at the 80 grand a year job of being MP, which, let's face it, has always been chicken feed to him throughout his career there? Or is he just going to throw it all in, snap up an oligarch's yacht, which are all going a bit cheap at the moment, and maybe sail the seven seas as an international tax exile? Do you think he's going to be out of our hair soon? Uh, I don't know if he could have stopped. I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I'm not privy to the sort of psychological twists and turns of, of Rishi Sunak and his wife, but uh, I, I don't know. I guess if it looks... Because sometimes they sort of go and come back, don't they, like Mandelson, but he's... I don't know if it's just about money. I mean, clearly, clearly, they're driven by something more than money. These people, aren't they? It's like Boris Johnson himself. You know, he could be richer than he is if he didn't bother uh, with the paraphernalia of being prime minister. But I think someone with this much money and the wife with that much money, you can influence governments worldwide with a phone call. You don't need to stand for election in order to be part of that government to change things necessarily. So he's he's chosen to become an MP and he seems to be set to be an MP at the top of the party, not just a backbencher, not just representing his constituents. He wants to be right at the top. Um, and if he's not at the top, there's no point doing it. So he wants something from running the country as opposed to just being an MP, it would appear to be. But, but Anne says power. Well, I guess, yeah, I guess, I, I guess it's ego more than anything else. It's a sort of fulfilling destiny or whatever, you know, whatever you learn at the sort of schools that Rishi Sunak and Boris Johnson Winchester go College, to. Eaton, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah 40 yeah. grand a year uh, jobs, anyway. I, I think it's. I think it's too. I think sort of sometimes the opposition, opposition to the Conservatives, try to look for a, an economic rationale to the.
decisions that these people make and you know very often it isn't it isn't that it's to do with it's to do with other things it's not just that they're trying to you know fiddle things i mean there was there was always that with brexit wasn't there? oh this is because david davis or whatever stands to make a lot of money mm. and um i don't think that ever, i don't think that that i don't think you can reduce it to anything as simple as that i think it's much more that they are really quite driven egotistical Ideologues. <laughs> yeah. Lunatics. Sometimes ideologues. I don't know if they are ideologues. Thatcher was an ideologue. I'm not sure that Boris Johnson yeah. is an ideologue. It was no, I, I'm not sure he's got many ideas at all. Mm. But uh, we'll have to wait and see, won't we? Now, Tom says, remind me, wasn't it Ian Kinnock? I think you mean Stephen Kinnock, but close. A Labour MP in the UK who resided in Denmark and paid taxes in Switzerland. All politicians are milking the system. Time to reform politics and welfare. Uh, Stephen was married to a Danish politician, so that's why he lived in Denmark as well as working over here. Mm. Not sure where he paid his taxes. I didn't happen to know that. We'll take that on, on face value. Um, but, yeah, there are obviously people who have genuine international links that perhaps deserve to be not domiciled in one country because their home is in another country and they just happen to be working in a different place that's not how it really applies but also so i think it's a, once you once you start on oh we're all at it we're all, i think that's a very dangerous cynical sort of path to go down first of all because it assumes that human beings are basically rotten which excuses people's behavior at its worst and it's and it's not true you know this is what the establishment tries to put this line so if someone is caught like david cameron was it turns out that he was putting his money in the cayman islands and uh and avoiding his dad was that was yeah and i didn't uh, and all the excuses they used no oh, it was all because i just I, I i'm very patriotic and the money as the queen said on it and i wanted it to keep warm and that's why i put it in the cayman islands and all yeah. these excuses they come up with and i didn't really know i didn't notice i didn't i didn't gain personally from it he said didn't he david cameron and yeah, he then it all though didn't he when his father of course died, he did and then the argument is and i if you recall then the argument from the sort of daily telegraph type of world was well we have to look at the way in which we all fiddle tax when we get a plum around we don't pay vat we pay him cash in ad that's not the same there is a qualitative difference between setting up an entire legal system in or uh, loopholes in a system that you exploit in order to save hundreds of millions of pounds on tax while you are formulating policies in which you justify on an hourly basis by screaming that people are costing the country money there is a difference between that and going we had a bloke round to do the garden and we paid him cash and we saved eight pound fifty in fat yeah. that is not the same you know, so i don't agree with the person who said oh they're all at it they're all the same and stephen kinnick i'm not always a fan of stephen kinnick but that's what he's done is nothing like the same he married a danish woman yeah <laughs> that's not the not, same it's not quite the same no uh, uh, there are an awful lot of mps uh, and i work with some of them my nuclear test veterans who are very committed on all sides and all parties so it's not even yeah. ideological there's some very sound people in there i'm just not sure why someone would want to earn 80k uh, in order to spend a few years trying to be prime minister if you've got 200 million i think you go somewhere else and do that there's something else going on there perhaps now, michael says fishy will resign within the next month i'd put money on it i think you've probably got not far off marie says just because you have a hatred of the conservatives doesn't make you right 
No, it makes him left, Marie. Uh, this is your opinion and you should be apolitical. Uh, I'm trying to be apolitical because I'm the presenter. Mark is our guest. He's allowed to be as political as he likes. And so are you, Marie. Uh, that's why this is the news agenda explained and everyone gets a chance to have their go at explaining it. Um, and in this country, anyway, uh, newspapers don't have to be apolitical. They generally take a view. Uh, and that's entirely... I don't like the Conservatives. I don't hate you, Marie. No, I quite I like one or two conservatives. They're, they're quite good. Uh, Charlie says this program is ace. Thank you, Charlie. We'll put you. We'll put you on the side of the can next time. This program is ace. There you go. Put it on our on our little podcast recommendation. On the right. side of a bus. <laughs> or when we bus. when we do the show in Edinburgh, the Edinburgh Festival. That five stars. <laughs> this program is ace. This program is ace. He said mm. so. There you go. Right. Now, we need to move on because there's another couple of stories to talk about. So there's something else which you may not have noticed. Now, we do like to highlight the sort of less read stories, too, as well on this show. And Mondays are when my colleague Nada Faoud has her environment column in the paper. And today she's told me something I didn't previously know, which is that this winter, about 100,000 planes in our skies are going to be completely flipping empty. Now, during the pandemic... According to official figures, there were 15,000 of what are called ghost flights dotted around our skies with either no passengers or less than 10% of the seats filled. And those are the international ones, so the domestic figures should probably be higher. And all these carbon emissions that it creates, with more than perhaps 100,000 this winter, according to Greenpeace, equivalent to the annual emissions of, wait for it, 1.4 million cars, which is about what Rishi Sunak owns in three minutes, 20 seconds, are just so that plane companies can keep their landing slots at the airport. And Mark, it says in Nada's piece that the government sets these targets in order for the plane companies to keep their contracts at the airports. The government says you may have to met this number of slots. So when they're not selling tickets, they're still flying the planes to keep the deal on the ground. Do you think that this has anything to do with the fact that the transport secretary has his own flipping plane. <laughs> well, it probably doesn't help, but it's not just, I mean, this is the sort of madness that we've come, you know, the sort of people say, you often hear people say, if you started the human race from now and are right, what sort of civilization should we have? No one would suggest the capitalist system we've got. No one would go, I know nothing's made unless it makes someone a profit. Uh, so I think what we should have is we should grow food and then tip lots of it in the sea because there's some peculiar twisted mathematical system in which be farmers get more subsidies than uh, you know that. And what we'll do is right at the point at which all the major scientists are saying what uh, the most important thing we do is we have to slow down the amount of planes in the air because otherwise we will die out as a species. At that point... We fly even more planes that are <laughs> empty. That's what because yeah. that suits this sort of strange and system we've got about landing slots. Who would do that when some future alien species lands on this earth and discovers that that was once a human race? And they'll look at all the sort of newspapers and to try and work out how we died out. And they'll go, surely they didn't just fly. They, everyone was saying if you keep flying planes the planet will burn and everyone will die and at that point they flew even more and <laughs> and this alien species will be utterly utterly baffled 
Like, it must have been a mass suicide. Yeah, that's good. No wonder they died out. What would be the point? And look, all the people that they gave the most of their little money things, tokens to, they were the worst people they could find. What yeah. were they thinking? What oh, the one that got me was trouble? when when Putin put his missiles on, on high nuclear alert, his new missiles, and said it was Liz Trusk. <laughs> to blame and I thought I can I can look I can accept that the human race after millions of years of existence and thousands of years of civilization comes to a pitiful sorrowful end but please let it not be because of Liz bloody trust <laughs> that's please. not please let all the from pyramids and the Greeks and the mathematics and all the things we've built up and it all comes to a total frazzled burn end because of Liz Trust, that's that'd be, be like if it turns out the dinosaurs didn't die out because of an asteroid, but there was one particularly stupid, arrogant Stegosaurus that just <laughs> blew and trod on everybody. A fairy hat. <laughs> <laughs> now Matt Healy said, "We've got to move on to good news." I've got to stop laughing. Uh, Matt says there was a story the other day about a Jet Two flight that flew back to the UK with two passengers on it. It's exactly that kind of thing that we're talking about, Matt. Um, goodness, goodness knows what any of them are thinking. But I think Douglas Adams probably had the right idea. We need to have NASA go out and find a planet called Golga Frinchum pretty quickly and get everyone we don't need on a rocket and tell them to go and tell them to go and colonise somewhere a long way away. Liz Trust, Putin, Rishi Sunak, you're on a plane. Don't, off you're on a rocket. Go. You're the ones who need to survive. Off you pop. And we'll then everything here will just go back to how it should be. Yes. Well, it. like the uh, the the. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio film, the Don't Look Up thing. It's very much like that, isn't it? If people haven't seen it, then... Uh, yeah, don't watch it. Not if you're in a good mood, because you're going to be pretty depressed <laughs> by the end of it. <laughs> now, we do need to move on, because uh, we've been on going half hour. So it's time for some good news. There is some good news in the Ooh. world, uh, and here it is. <laughs> now, some of our viewers, Mark are probably mm -hmm. old enough to remember seeing Karate Kid at the cinema. And huge numbers of teenage girls going all gooey over Ralph Macchio, the star. Now, it won't be news to anyone who's seen the follow-up Cobra Kai on Netflix that he hasn't changed much over the years. But I nearly fell off my chair this morning when I saw page three and saw he is, in fact, now he's just turned 60, six zero years old and all right he might be dying his hair but look at that skin mark look at the unlined <laughs> chirpy little face does this show that if we all do a bit of martial arts we too can look as unlined and youthful as ralph yeah i think it does and uh and his teacher what's his name the the, the teacher is the Miyagi. yeah Mr. is he still going he's 161 <laughs> I, th I think Mr. Miyagi is no longer with us. Oh. He's Cobra Kai. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he looks in. He looks in in top shape. Yeah, he looks yeah, yeah, yeah. Top my position. son does. My son does martial arts, and I'm not always convinced that it's um, that it's healthy. I saw him three weeks ago in a tournament. Just be picked up. He got. He, he did quite well at one point, and then he got through to face the previous champion from the year before. And after about a minute, it was sort of. I don't really understand it at all, but. After about a minute, uh, this other lad just suddenly picked him up, picked him up, and like like a bloke in a warehouse with a bag of carrots, just went. 
and that was that. You and see, that that's that. the thing with karate, okay? So you, your face looks amazing, <laughs> but your body is just shattered bone, and there's nothing left. And as Ralph proved anyway in the film, you do tend to bust your leg. Now, Janie says, you two are definitely brightening my Monday morning. Oh, thank you, you Janie. Too, Janie. You've brightened our morning. Thank you. Um, now, we do have a couple of comments to wrap on before we let you all go. Mike says, there should be a late night edition of the news agenda, which allows swearing. I still wouldn't happen on Facebook, I'm afraid, Mike. Uh, there are some rules that Mr Zuckerberg has set and we have to set. Uh, and we have to follow. Uh, and anyway, I think perhaps uh, the way that, the reason that Ralph Macchio is is so unlined now, and maybe it's the way he puts his moisturiser on. You know, wipe on, wipe off. Hey. <laughs> See what I did there. Right. Um, James says, very quickly, one of our last questions. Number 10 are behind the leaks about Rishi Sunak. Team Johnson has decimated any successes. Johnson is nothing more than a dictator. And with the Tories gerrymandering seats and adding voter ID, they will stay in power a very long time. And all thanks to the idiots who fell for the Brexit lies. Uh, James, I think you need to speak to Anne about just how, uh, how, whether you are right or wrong about some of that stuff. But everyone gets their chance to express their views. Uh, this is the News Agenda Explained. Thank you, everyone, for taking part. Thank you, Mark, for joining us. Uh, if you're listening later on on podcast, I hope you enjoyed the bits that uh, we didn't probably explain very well because it was all reliant on photographs. Um, but do leave a comment uh, on and a review so other people can find us. Thanks very much, everybody. We will not... Oh, yes, we will see you on Wednesday for another edition of the News Agenda. Bye-bye.